Hold on, I'm going to text you something real quick. Why? We're talking on a show. <laughs> no, no, no. This is not something that even Regan can hear. What do you mean? Okay. Do I need to pause? No. Yes. I'm gonna, well, I'm not, I'm not going to speak if you're not going to listen. Hold to on. Because then I have to repeat myself. All right. I'm waiting. Patrick's text just said, I just took a huge dookie in my pants, and I'm going to do the rest of the podcast with a dookie. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Downvote. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in a I'm in a mood today. I can I don't tell. Know what's going on, tell. man? I've been staring at Golly. the screen for the last three hours. Yeah, me too. That's why I had to drink this beer. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, alcohol and coffee, dogs and beaches. <laughs> it's my Bumble profile. You had a Bumble profile? No, I just if I had a Bumble profile, it'd be how much I love dogs and alcohol and beaches. <laughs> <laughs> you love beaches? You're from Kansas. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast of the summer 2022. Come on in. The water's fine. Come soak with us in the summer 2022 Crunch Podcast. <laughs> Patrick, are you feeling the, the waves of heat radiating down in the cool energy of the inflatable pool that we have in our front yard? Are you the sprinklers going, the beach ball pumping? The the speaker the sand in your toes you feel it the summer twenty two it's coming it's May I, I have a you, <laughs> Memorial I, Day see, is this you weekend have a, you have a sweater on okay it is fifty five degrees I am coping a little bit <laughs> with the chill but it is this labor it's not Labor Day it's Memorial Day weekend it's the unofficial beginning of summer this weekend when our podcast is coming out on this Sunday today when That's people listen Memorial Day Monday. That's fair. Everybody starts, everybody starts their summer hours now. You're, That's, you're blasting this in your boat that you've rented at the lake house that belongs to your uncle. Like You are blasting this podcast on the are, lake right now. You are, you are blasting this podcast as you drive home and accidentally hit a homeless man and agree to never talk about it with your what, friend. Where did that come from? That's from I Know What You Did Last Summer. I, oh, I don't, I've never seen that film. That's like a, that's like a, 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 like a, a, a cultural bit you know like the friends hit the guy and they accidentally yeah does do ross rachel and joey all hit a guy with the car (laughs) i think that was a plot on friends they all accidentally hit a homeless what if any time a movie had friends it was just the cast of friends (laughs) (laughs) just to to avoid contractually obligating david schwimmer being in every film every movie from now on out is about lonely dudes who have no friends because they can't (laughs) they can't afford his rate they can't afford david schwimmer anymore i did this is one thing before we go on to the next thing i was talking to my friend josh this morning and i was talking about how uh how crazy it is first of all how crazy it is that spider-man into the spider-verse is such a good movie and second of all how crazy it would be if we raised our kids and we only showed them spider-man movies and how they just grew up thinking that the only movies that have ever been made were Spider-Man were, movies. Like movies exist for the sake of conveying a Spider-Man story. And then like <laughs> one day they like go to college or whatever and they see Jurassic Park and they're like, cool, when does Spider- I haven't seen this one. When does Spider-Man show up? And everyone's like, what? what do you and then mean? you're like, what? And just like, can you imagine just the, the brain blowing up that would happen? Anyway. What were you this, is, this, was a, this is a topic on the New Polity podcast where they were like, if people don't think, if you don't think you have power over your children- just consider for a moment that you could tell them that pink is blue and they would be screwed. Yeah. 
that you have complete power over them. You, you can, can do just anything. lie. You can, you you can, can do just, anything. You can just lie. So, any other thoughts on the summer of 2022? It's We're the podcast of the summer. A lot of people have been talking about what's the drink of the summer? What's the song of the summer? What's the outfit of the... We're the podcast of the summer. I'm claiming, planting our flag. We're the podcast of the summer. What do you think? We have always done our best over the summers. That's not true. I, I think our best month ever was January of 2020. Everyone, I don't know what everyone was doing. It wasn't the pandemic yet. They were yeah, just they were preparing. They were. We did pretty well over the pandemic it. too. I think everyone was just lonely. Yeah, cleaning. Yeah, yeah. So. Remember when we said? Remember when we did an episode week two of the pandemic, and we said this is the last time we're talking about this. Because <laughs> I do. I do too. And to be fair, we didn't talk about it as much as some other podcasts talked about it. That's true. Like you go back I... and listen to podcasts from that era. And they're like, yeah, this lockdown sucks and it's quarantine. It's just like, we were like, comment oh, Zoom calls, yeah. guys. We, hey, you right? and me, we were like, I read a book and we're going to talk about the book. And then I was, wrote a book. I wrote a book. I came back to it. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. Are you talking about the book you read over paternity leave or the book you wrote? I wrote, no, no, the book I wrote over. So one of my, my quarantine project was just, you know, writing that book. I was like, you know, it's Is that the I'm brotherhood book. It. Yeah, and it was not good. I thought it was... Did you read it? You did not send me a copy, no. No, I, 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 it was okay. If you ever get a book published, can I be a guy on the back that's like, this book is to change my life and also... Yeah, sure, you can... You can, you can. I, my review of, if I ever review your book, is going to be like, I heard that Bishop Barron really likes this book. Would be like my... <laughs> <laughs> would be my review. I decided to repitch the gender book. Okay. Now that, yeah, now that, now that I'm... Uh, Speaking of, of the summer, I always pick up a summer project. Last summer, it was learning Greek. That was fun. The summer that launched a thousand ships. <laughs> <laughs> Every, uh, no, that was the, that was the, that was when I learned Trojan. Um, ah. It's completely different. That's a different thing. Ioni or whatever. I don't know. Who cares? Um, every every summer, I, I come to the conclusion, wow, the school year's over. I have a lot more time on my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, this summer will probably be filled with a baby in my yeah, hands, but yeah, you know, babies sleep, and and when they do, you're you're right, you can write a book, and and uh, and so I came I came back to to apparently I came back to the book like in October of last year, which I wasn't aware of, but I came back to it and I was like, you know what, I don't want to write the Brotherhood book anymore. Uh, Friendship with Brotherhood canceled. Canceled. Um, my new I friend is gender. <laughs> my, I mean, the when I pitched the gender book like four years ago now. I was not married. I had no kid and I had no de- college degree. You yeah, know what I mean? That's and so true. like things are very different now and mm-hmm. I feel like I could do it. Yeah. It's very big. Like college kids who start a podcast wanting to tell the church how to run. Yeah. Vibes when like we didn't, we weren't not. We've had, we've done this many times. Yeah. So, but it's, it's okay. It happens. And now you know things. I think I'm I think I'm doing a combination of the of the two where it's it's you know it's not a theology it's basically what it was my it's my senior thesis plus the brotherhood book equals this book that's what it that's that's, what it that's good you're you're not starting completely from scratch are you going to do the post office book in the back of this book is it going to be like <laughs> is it going to be a spin-off how it's are you going to be the post office book is going to be my side project while i'm writing this i'm also going to write that can you tell people some people might not remember because they might not have listened the one time i think you've only spoken about this once on the show oh and i i, I dropped it in the discord too yeah, yeah, yeah. um 
I you don't have a, to if you I, don't want to. But my my hobby my hobby is I I picked up a hobby over paternity leave, where I outlined a story. I did a Dan Harmon story circle and a bunch of Dan Harmon story circles within those story circles. Oh, and I outlined the entirety of a of a book. So it's like the the story of these two kids that are born in in under a, a regime of of postman of mailmen <laughs> regime run by by mailmen and um yeah i've just been ch- i've been i've been you know chipping away at it thousand words two thousand words at a time let's say you write the first one and it takes off like wouldn't you wish that you had more story you know what i mean it's like can you take the first third and make it longer its own book yeah like what they did with um oh what was that series it could have been one book all of them uh, <laughs> Hunger Games, Divergent, all Hunger of them, Games, yeah. Divergent, Harry Potter, Wheel of Time, Game of Thrones, <laughs> all these books that could have been one book. Uh, I'm half serious on some of those. Could you stretch it out across three so that in case the first one does numbers, you could really just like rake it in without having to do any extra work? Honestly, that that is that is probably a good idea because the the amount of stuff like so I did the story circle and I split it up into three parts to three acts, basically yeah. three act structure. Yeah. But then I did three stories. Then I did story circles within that three act structure. So for each step of the act, three act structure, I did story circles, and then every chapter has its own story circle. Wow! And so because I wanted the, I wanted a lot of change in the characters. How many over circles time. did you draw? I drew so many. <laughs> That's circles, a lot of man. circles. A lot of circles. It was fun though because I, I like I, I got to. I feel like every change the character made, the character earns it. Yeah. So things happen, things progress. You take you take this one kid who's super gung ho and patriotic, and you turn him into a rebel, mm-hmm. and then you turn that rebel into a power hungry maniac. Gosh, that would have been such a better plot for Finn in the Star Wars sequels, right? Than than what they did. Oh yeah, and then you turn the, the the rebel into a power hungry maniac who wants to co opt the the nation instead of instead of destroy it. Yeah. And then you turn that power hungry maniac into someone who changes, mm-hmm. and then vice versa happens. Someone who's completely against the service ends up becoming one of them. Whoa! And then ends up realizing the error of his ways, and then eventually is the is the one who are you saves it all. What? Feel free to answer this mm-hmm. truthfully or otherwise. Sure. You're not gonna write any like nasty scenes in this book are you no of course not 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 even like i'm not talking about like that i'm talking about like violence no i'm talking about like kissing oh yeah no gross there's no kissing in the book no there's no hell yeah dude i love it i love it i totally totally here's the here's the thing i i was like i was like oh i was was like thomas needs friends like one of the kids he's he's in one kid is like in the projects basically and he's he's in he's in a really uh he's in a really poor part of the of the of the town and so that's where the service is the worst and the other kid is like in the suburbs and that's where everyone loves the service because mm-hmm. you know, their mail always like, comes on time. Exactly. Their mail always comes on time. It doesn't include any bombs. Oh. Um, well, they deliver a lot. The postal service in the future. <laughs> and um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was like this kid in the suburbs needs needs friends. And I was like, okay, enter David so. Schwimmer. <laughs> and so and as I was like, oh, OK, what do I do? Do I do like the do I do like the, the four man band or he's got like a friend group? I'm like, no, I don't. I'm only going to introduce characters that like need to be there. And not, and I'm not going to do a love interest unless there needs to be one no, organically. No. You know, I would love it for this future, this post apocalyptic future to be completely sexless. Just about I want it to be about postage. You want Dune. Well, no. Turn this off if you have kids, I suppose. Because Dune in the middle has a pretty important sex orgy that happens. Oh, I, f- I missed that part. Yeah, it's not... 
It's right before the time jump where they go forward three years in the middle of the book. No. Like, that's how Paul gets initiated into the Fremen after he kills that guy. Oh. Yeah, yeah. There's, they all do a spice orgy. Gross. But I want it to just be about postage. <laughs> I want it to be about violence. And I want it to be about, uh, like, tape, like, labels. I want it everything. I want everything. We got we to gotta have, like, stamps that double as a buzzsaw, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I want tactical khaki shorts that are worn by the mailmen. I want a turret on top of a mail truck. <laughs> that, that's already in there, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, baby. The, the reason why I'm doing this, why I did this, is because I wanted to write a story over over my paternity leave. I wanted to do something that was creative, right? And yeah. the other thing is I like, the, the fun part is making a story where the characters are engaging and they change in ways that make sense. Um and the other fun part is about imagining a world where the United States Postal Service runs the country. And those, yes. are, those are the two things that I'm doing. And if, if that's if that's marketable, I'll sell it fine. But no, you're right, because because like the 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 way that I wrote um, chapter two, like chapter one was like, that's easy. It was like it was like six thousand words. And then chapter two ended up being like like eleven thousand words. Is that a lot of words? It's almost God. twice as long as chapter one. It was like thirty three pages. Now that's too long. And so I know. And so I'm, 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 I'm like, I, I think it'll take your advice and, and, uh, and take act one and make it, um, because each act has a major change that happens. Character, right. both character, both main characters go from point if A you to make point it B. Cliffhangery enough. People will buy it immediately after they finish the first one, you know, sure. cause that's how these books work. Could there be, this is the last thing I'll say, and then we can move on. Could there be maybe, I don't know, like a character named, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows what you're about to say. <laughs> Everyone knows what you're about to say. Ethan? <laughs> please? <laughs> even like, even if you had to hide it, maybe you could call me Steven. Like if you had to just <laughs> secretly put me in the book. Oh my gosh. So yes? I, sure. I don't know, man. Come this on. Is, if you're going to be on, author, please. you're going to be author, you got to do this. If we've dealt with this for six years on the podcast, you're like, hey, can I be on your podcast? So you, you shout me out on your podcast. Now this is, you've decided to write a book. Okay, Have you dealt so with that? Have you dealt with that for all the six time. years? Oh. All the time. So now I need you to accept this cross that I'm laying on your shoulders, which okay. is figure out a way to put me in the book, dude, because you owe me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll write a, cool, I'll, cool. I'll write a, uh, I mean, the original plan for the book, the book, if it if it continues in this in this direction, could be a total of, you know, 120,000 words, which could easily be split up, expanded and then split up into three books. I would pay 1895 for a hardback. That's not doable. <laughs> I would pay for a, for a print to order. I'll pay 1895 for a paperback. How much of the money goes to you if you were to publish a book? Oh, very little. Very little. <laughs> if I was to self-publish it, I would probably publish it as an ebook and sell it for $10. No, but we want to go through like one of the big boys. I want you at Doubleday, you know? I want you at you want Anthem at Books. I want you at <laughs> Tor. If anyone, if anyone knows any literary agents who are interested in a dystopia about mailmen who run the country... My email is patrick at thecrunchcast.com. If you put an allusion to Donald J. Trump, it would fly off the shelves. Fly off the no, shelves. No, I, I, I understand Sell that. Out. I understand that. Sell out. I understand that. 
it's crazy. This book that's selling hundreds of thousands of copies is about Donald Trump and the mailman. And he listens to this podcast called the Cranch. The gr- the For some crunch. reason, it's interesting. I don't really understand, but when I type it in, it autocorrects to the crunch and it pulls up this other podcast. That- <laughs> crunch, crunch is my is my uh, is my is my rejected salad <laughs> dressing from craft. Uh, no, it's it's uh, Caesar mixed oh, with dear. ranch. They they were confused why I didn't call it ranch, but I was like, it's spelled ranch. This is good. I'm I'm very gr- glad that you're writing this book. I'm glad I'm the main character. I'm glad that all these things <laughs> are coming together for you. I have no projects. Thanks for asking. Um, I'll release I'll release the book, and then like 20 years later, I'll say the main character was actually a trans man, <laughs> and then it'll what? <laughs> and then it'll will renew the number of the, the number of copies being sold. Um, yeah, I don't have any projects. I'm not really working on anything. So disappointing. I know that's not disappointing at all. What I have done is read a book that I would like to share with you now on this podcast. Yes, sure. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Do you feel prepared? Mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. It was, just, it was not a rhetorical question. It was like I'm really curious if my friend Patrick is ready to talk about. Is this is this the John Senior book. It is the John Senior book. Oh, cool. Some asshole recommended that I read him one time. Was it me? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Was, oh. You you made fun of me for name dropping <laughs> him on the. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. At this point, at this point, I figure the people on the Discord know who we know and who we don't. Right, that's fair. Everyone knows. Can you name drop on the Discord? Yeah, you can name drop on the Discord. You can name true. drop on this podcast. Everyone knows that you see Matt Fred when you're walking around Steubenville, so it's not crazy yeah. that you like. Oh yeah, Matt Fred told me to read that book. So, John Senior, right? Uh, so the problem is that his books are like not very popular because he's like dead or whatever, and <laughs> the. <laughs> I realize the premise of that statement is wildly, <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. wildly out of out of left field. But some uh, dead guy named Thomas Aquinas wrote this really long book yes, I have to read for class. This is, this is this is a book by some guy named Paul. <laughs> I don't really he doesn't even have a last name. He just called himself Paul an Apostle. Like that's a weird last Paul name. Paul an Apostle. There's this dude, Shakespeare. First of all, what are you shaking, dude? And second dude. of all, William, come on, come on. We get a better. You're telling me your full name is Agatha Christie? Okay. <laughs> Tell me a William shake to the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. We're, we're reading this book. So this book is The Death of Christian Culture. It's very popular in some circles. I recognize it's a meme. But uh, as with all books that are a meme, you should actually read it and then evaluate it based on its uh, what it says inside of it and not just repeat. Take a shot every time someone mentions Wendell Berry. Yeah, and not just repeat like the the title of it. Right, yeah. it's very easy to like for books like this. The death of Christian culture. Oh yeah, it is. Oh, it Christian is the death of dead, Christian man. culture. It's so dead. You know what? Our society. Yeah. When you actually read this, you I did something that I didn't. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. But the number of like literary and philosophical references that this man makes, like you can tell that he's extremely learned and well read. Oh, I'm sure. And most of his references, I did not. Like he reads a lot of like French authors for some reason. I just didn't. I, I don't know. I just kind of was like, oh, I'm gonna maybe one day I'll read that guy, but I don't know. So it made me want to learn French. I don't know. You maybe my summer thing could be learning French. Oui, oui, hold on. <laughs> Marie, get the cannoli. <laughs> I don't know. That's, That's Italian. Italian. <laughs> it is Italian. There's a little, little gift there. Little, so little the reason back. that. <laughs> For the for the fans, <laughs> the reason that I wanted to talk about this book is because this chapter. So I haven't finished the book. Standard, I understand. Make fun of me. 
but this I read an entire chapter, and I would like to speak about what this chapter was about. Listen, I chapters, about the, chapters are, are the story circle for this chapter. Yeah, the goal the goal of a, in a nonfiction, you don't want to do what you do in fiction. You don't want to leave right. things unsaid, left to be revealed. You want each chapter to be an enclosed unit, an essay, yes, basically a blog yeah. post. <laughs> so this this chapter in this book, the death of Christian culture, is called the perennial heresy. So it's about modernism, okay? Which I'm very excited because. As I was reading this, I realized that he was explaining modernism, and it was as if I was learning it the first for the first time, which made me realize that I don't know what the hell modernism is. Like nobody really ever told me. Father Harrison talks about it. Yeah. Oh, hold on, let me let me do my best Father Harrison impression. Okay. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I cannot believe that everything is so expensive up here. It is. Uh, Oh no, I live in the Canada. Oh, the, I live in the, the Canada. I live on an island. Oh, I love the queen. Ooh. <laughs> Could you take a. I have a pink Amani, but you have a two dollars and we do exchange <laughs> for it. It's going into Italian. <laughs> it is, it now. always does. <laughs> so he says that uh, modernism is the denial of mediation. And I get that, but I think. This I don't chapter. I think he's quite right. But he did I think this chapter goes into, goes into a lot more, maybe. Uh, a bit more detail in a way that people like you and me can understand. Cause I don't really know what mediation is. I don't care to know, but, (laughs) (laughs) but this chapter kind of helps it. So basically John senior breaks down modernism into two of its essential characteristics and then explores both of them equally in this chapter. So the two, uh, he says essential characteristics of modernism are one artificiality and two sensationalism. (gasps) Sensationalism being, that of like our five senses, not that of uh, the news. The news, right? Yeah. Because like, they didn't have the news when he wrote this book. Yes, they did. Huh? In the seventies? Oh. They had the news in the seventies. All right. Well, maybe I I might have some information I need to learn. But <laughs> so he he kind of starts all of it by talking about Aristotle, and this is this is challenging for me because reading Aristotle is kind of like slamming your head into a brick wall because he just the way that he writes is not uh english yeah (laughs) and and even in english it's it's super challenging to really like grasp what he's saying uh unless you're used to it so some of it's wrong and you have no way to know right because he says it all as if it's right and you're like dang how do i cool fine all right i guess women do have less teeth than men Uh, (laughs) is that really something something you believe Uh so he starts off by talking about Aquinas is taking down the physicists uh, of his time, uh, who are not dudes in lab coats, but like are you know like have opinions about the physical world. And he basically says there are some people out there who think that things can be and also cannot be, right? And he basically spends five pages refuting the fact that no, things cannot in fact both be and not be. They can either only be or not be. They cannot be both. Which is crazy because that yeah, <clears throat> it's crazy that he has to prove that first yeah. of all. And it's also crazy that there were people of his day that were like, actually, I don't know. <laughs> and it's crazy that you can just prove that because it should be self-evident. <laughs> it should be self-evident. So, but the the point is that even today, there's a lot of people that, that kind of believe that, right? For the modernist, contradiction is not a problem. And that's kind of how he leads into this idea of artificiality. So uh, he talks about how God is what is god patrick can you answer that for me you're a theology major you should know 
what, Come on. what part of God... Okay, yeah, sure. Let me just sum up the divine in a couple of seconds. What is God's essence? How about that? Being. Being, thank you. So if God is... If his essence, if his... Uh, the godness, the thing that makes him God, is being, then to be opposed to God, to be anti-God, would be what, Patrick? Not being. Correct. So this, I he wrote this in this book, and it blew my brain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. It seems like a very simple axiom. But he, he writes, pure non-being, anti-being, is the faking of reality. Which would be modernism. Right. Makes sense to me. It's this it's this artificial aspect of modernism. So like the way that modern thinkers, and I'm saying that with a capital M pretty much every time I'm saying this, not with a lowercase m, the way that modern thinkers think about things is that you forget yourself to mm-hmm. the point where you can bring about some type of hallucination and substitute that vision of what reality is for reality itself. And that's how modern people think about things. Like, like they create this idea in their minds and then they use that as the basis for their like universal system of belief, essentially. And so and they don't interact with reality at all. This is bad on the whole. And even people who are Christian can do this as moderns. Like again, capital M. They can create an idea of God in their head and create an idea yeah. of who Jesus is in their head. And then that is the the basis of belief that they that they live out of, right? It's like it's an artificial God. It's an artificial Jesus. But same thing with church, right? It's an artificial construct of church that they kind of are operating on. So I thought that was very interesting in the uh in the way that you know the the artificial aspect of it and then you can see that played out through technology right so like computers video games uh social media obviously like all of these things are artificial means and constructs by which people can you know uh move forward right so as he's transitioning away from talking about artificiality to talking about uh sensationalism this is what he says this is like the, his definition of modernism and like mm-hmm. the smack in the middle of this chapter. He says, the motive force of modernism is, as the name suggests, the perpetual urge for the new, not the real, not the true, not the ideal, not even the evil, not the power or the glory or the lust, but all these things for the sake of the new. The modernist insisting on the new very quickly exhausts the contents of his memory and proceeds to invent an artificial one. The image, that is, what the imagination produces, substitutes for being. So I want to stop there before we keep going on to sensationalism because I think that is like – the reason that this chapter was blowing my mind when I was reading it is because I I did not realize how, one, how little I actually understood why people are the way that they are. And two, I didn't realize how much of modernism is actually like in me. <laughs> you know, yeah. like how – in just my daily interactions, like all I pursue is just the new and the and novelty and how no matter what I proclaim to believe about God or Jesus or like have this idea about reality, mm-hmm. I still am kind of swept up in that. You know? Like do you how do you feel about that? Hmm. I don't know. I feel it deeply because I went to go see the new Doctor Strange this weekend and I feel like I got tricked by novelty because it was such a terrible, terrible movie. Oh, thank you for telling me that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about that later if you want. But like, I mean, I I was I wanted to go see the movie, but then 
I was like, you got a baby, so you can't really do that. I have a anymore. baby, so I was like, eh, yeah, well, say goodbye to the theaters for about eight, eight to ten years. That's fine by me. Um, <laughs> theaters are gross, and everything is uh, free online anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess I feel that in, like the media I consume, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I want to watch something I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've been doing this with like you know t- TV shows over over paternity leave. I was like, you know. I just want to watch something that I have seen before that is sure. good. Mm-hmm. But think about even like church work, you know, there's kind of always this, this pressure like, Oh, we got to do something new. We got to draw them in, you know, hmm. like we have to be more novel than their world, you know? Oh like, yeah. It, it, that pressure's there all the time. I just yeah. don't give into that pressure to be sure. more like their world because I hate their world. You might just have a stronger like will than I'd have. I mean, I do think about modernism a lot. Sure. Yeah. But my experience of this is almost every day, whether I'm at work or I'm at home or I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what, what should I do with Emma tonight? Or um, what should my next move be at, at my job? Or what, you know, should be the next, what, what's the next hobby that I should do? Like, I feel like I'm always in pursuit of the new, you know, like, and it's, it's a never, maybe that's not your experience. And that would be amazing if you could tell me how you do that. But I was reading this and I was just like, dang it, I'm, I'm a modernist because I would I prefer to have the new thing that's not promised for the sake of its novelty than I would have what is currently my reality. Mm. And like that's just my daily experience. Is that not yours? Am I crazy? I'm trying to think prior to having my son whom is very novel. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> he is quite new. Yeah. He doesn't know anything. Imagine naming your son the coronavirus and be like, this is the novel coronavirus. <laughs> brand new baby. I don't, I don't know. I don't like change. I mean, I don't either. I don't like change, but I like things that are new. That's an interesting mystery. That was something that Patrick Lencioni talks about. He's like, people like mm-hmm. change. They want change all the time. They just don't like loss. We want novelty on top of what we have. That's, yeah. that's, that's one of the real problems with modernism is it's mm-hmm. the novelty is consumption. It's, it's like we want we want to keep all of the good things, right? Like people people will 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 uh, observe this when it comes to vocations, how um, uh, monks after a few years desire uh, desire companionship and 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 husbands after a few years desire nothing but solitude. And it's like you guys, um, the grass is not always greener. Just love mm-hmm. what you're doing. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I think. Yeah. I think knowing those things intellectually, when I when I detect those desires in my heart, I just go, mm, nah. Yeah, you say that like it's easy, though. No, it's not easy. <laughs> but I just recognize that those desires are there, and I just go, I just, I'm just being silly. I should just go, like, chill out. And, <laughs> you know, I, like, I, like, oh, man, like, I miss being, I miss living at my rectory in Newcastle when I was just by myself in a big old house and I could do whatever I wanted. And it's like, you know what? That probably wasn't. And I would like think back, I'm like, am I just romanticizing that time in my life? Yes. Yes, I am. Because, you know, I, I would, I probably went to go visit my friends exactly as much as I do now, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I didn't have Phoebe, I didn't have Leo, you know? So it's like when, when those desires crop up and they do crop up, it's like, yeah. I don't know. I just spend time getting 
just refocusing on the good things that I that mm-hmm. I do have. I mean, I I do I do think I do see novelty this desire for novelty especially when I use the internet more often. Yeah, the internet is predicated upon novelty. Yeah, Twitter habituated me in college to desire the new and mm-hmm. the last tweet was not good enough, you know, like we got to yeah. we got to double it next time. We got to do something funnier. We got to have a take that's hotter. You got to, you know, got to get a new follower you got to get a new you know a new gimmick a new episode a new a new project right and that things those things are all true because twitter is the way that it is but it's also like that's how the entire culture views everything which i feel like i didn't really fully grasp like i knew that social media was that way because it was designed that way but social media is just kind of like a mirror of how everything else is and has been since i don't know 18 47 whenever Since marx forever. i mean whenever in, marx wrote his thing in lamentations the koheleth says when they say behold this is something new there is nothing new under the sun mm-hmm. and i i don't know that's I, true i pray with that a lot i mean like i said i think about modernism all the time sure i've been thinking about this since i was in college right so like i don't know i notice it more and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. Usually when we have, when you're like, I do this thing, I'm like, ah, dang, I do that too. And we talk about how we both do the thing, but I don't know if I do that. That's fine. The. I'm sorry. There's nothing worse than being this person in the conversation. It, I know it sucks on this end too. Don't worry. Uh, the, but the thing about lamentations is like, yes, there's always been a desire for novelty, but has it ever been as like baked in? to people's like minds and how they think about social relations and politics and religion and like every aspect of their lives as it has been since the modern period began, you know? I don't know. Probably not considering, considering that, I mean, I don't, I wasn't there. (laughs) That's true. But it's not, it's not just novelty. It's like novelty that I create. Like I hallucinate this thing in my mind and like that becomes the new thing, right? Like I mm-hmm. like this is the 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 transgender movement. This is the the uh, like perceived victimhood and like people coming up with new ways to be victimized. This is on the right or on the left, like politically, people creating these new enemies and creating these new sort of ideas about how other people are, and like that being the thing that motivates them. So it's not just like new things that are made that I consume, but it's also just constantly generating new frameworks and new constructs about the way that the world is, you know? Okay. I think that that is modernist. Yes. But I don't think that that act of constructing new things is Mm -hmm. new. Fair. I think it's existed before Christendom. I think it's, I think it existed in paganism. It's my my suspicion is that it existed in paganism mm-hmm. because I think it is a sinful human tendency to do. Sure. For instance, on the New Polity podcast, Mark mentioned that his his big hot take when it comes to the transgender movement is that it's not new and that it was inevitable once we get rid of the Christian conception of gender that we sure. would just return to this androgynous state. Well, because then in that case, what is any, there's no movements then that are new because every new movement is just a certain amplification of a particular part of human 
concupiscence. Sure, but like I think, I think that's that, that's what makes it a hallucination is that we got to trick ourselves into thinking that it's new, but it's a newness that I have created. It's a behold, I make all things new. Sure. Me, not God. And I think that that is why Christ needed to come and elevate us out of sinful, not just restore sinful human nature to its prelapsarian state, but to elevate it beyond because there's no way to return to just the mm-hmm. garden. Mm-hmm. We had to go beyond it. No, that's fair. And you're clearly beyond it, and I'm clearly not because I'm stuck in this. I'm not clearly. I'm not beyond it. I'm still in a. I'm still on the earth. <laughs> I still do it. I'm just. I'm just saying, like, oh yeah, that's probably. I, I don't think that it's. Cr- it's not crippling my life. You know what I mean? It's just. Sure. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I'm a. I'm a man of habit. I like. <laughs> I like doing the same things. I'm not too keen on. You know, I'm not really in the mood to get any richer. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, I I uh, when I when I when I when I go, you know what I could I could you know, I could really watch a couple of shows on Netflix and and I, I watch like a show on my phone and I'm just mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's enough of that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. We can talk about the sensationalism sensationalism half of it too because I think this is also interesting. That Aristotle's whole bit was about like like the evidence of the senses, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the scientism people of his day were like, oh, frick yeah, Aristotle is proving us right. This is awesome. But the problem is, is that those guys, like they believed in the accidents divorced from the substance, basically. Like you can ev- you can like provide evidence of the appearance of this thing, mm-hmm. but it's divorced from the actual substance of that thing. So a lot of people, it's like if you give them a list of facts about that tree, that's outside, like it's this tall, it's got this many leaves, it's made of this bark, it's, its roots are this long. And yeah. like you can, you can, find out everything you would need to know theoretically about the tree, but you have no idea that like, that's the tree that my neighbor who takes her dog on a walk every day, like always takes a crap on that tree. Like you wouldn't know that, <laughs> that like, that's that nature of that tree. That's the substance of the tree. Um, this is, this is the, uh, this is the, 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 the problem with, with modern, the modern scientist movement is that it cares about the efficient and material causes, but not the formal or final causes of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It doesn't care what things are for. Or what right. made those things. It just cares about what it made of, what it do. Right. And the way that Aristotle kind of characterizes this, or at least John Sr. summarizes it, is like there's exists a real relation between our mind and the actual thing. Like mm-hmm. the actual truth to be ascertained is in like my senses sensing a thing and like that being related to the substance of that thing. Right. So yes. like the example that he gives is I touch the ice. And it's cold, right? And an empiricist or a scientist or, or whoever you want to say would be like, ah, I am experiencing coldness right now. Because that's that's like what your senses can perceive, you know? Sure. This is just like a... a it's not like I'm holding ice. Right. But when you say like, oh, the ice is cold, you know, like you touch it and you hold it. It's like, or the, the stone is hard or the water is wet. Like there's all of the... the what our senses receive tells us something about the substance of the thing that we're sensing. And for modernists, it's like the truth is in the mind, right? Which means that truth can be psychologized, mm-hmm. which is, como se dice, bad. This is not, <laughs> this is not good. Mom. Um, and I think this is, this is important to, to quote. Uh, in the early stages of science, an experiment was originally set up to test a reality supposed to exist outside the test. In the latest stage, the test is often taken not as a result of anything, 
but the only actual reality there is, so that one cannot challenge the validity of an intelligence test, for example, because intelligence is by definition whatever it is that the test tests. And so... Oh, no. Right. That's so funny. <laughs> yes. So, like, science, when, when truth is in the mind, science then becomes just this series of experiments and these series of tests that then become the measuring stick for what things are. No, that's right? so true. Cause I, I was, I was talking to, I was talking to Phoebe about this. We were talking about SIDS and we were talking about, yeah. um, there's been a, there's a major breakthrough about what causes SIDS. And I was thinking about it cause I was like, this is what, um, this is how science works is that like for a while people thought, oh, it's because they are being smothered by blankets. Right. Um, and now it's like, oh, there might, there must be a chemical in the, they're discovering that there must be a chemical in the brain that prevents babies from waking up when they stop breathing. Hmm. So like there's a chemical deficiency and a child that dies of SIDS had a chemical deficiency that meant that they didn't react when they stopped breathing to wake up and move away from the blanket. Right. right. Or whatever. And so I was like, in the future, we're going to be like looking back on why did they tell us not to put teddy bears in the crib to prevent SIDS? Everyone knows you can't prevent SIDS by just like, it's a chemical imbalance. Everybody knows that. But the reason why, let's say that that is the case, they would only know it was a chemical imbalance. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this if they knew to test for it like you see this mm-hmm. on on cop shows have, have have ruined us for the way that drug testing works because we think yes. that we think, oh you can just detect drugs on a thing but you have mm-hmm. to like take a sample and, and run it through a test for cocaine and then for meth and then you have to run a test for all these things and like that's that's how science works you can only you can only know the things that you you're testing mm-hmm. and so we have this scientism the problem with scientism is that we don't recognize that and we think mm-hmm. that we think that uh we don't recognize that there is a bias in choosing what to test for. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. and 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 that's like that's like the the perennial problem with uh, with um, with gender with biological mm-hmm. proofs for gender. This is I, I, I hate to bring up Mark again, but no, okay. I'll, I'll bring up Mark again. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the the like oh like we know that you're a man because you have X chrom- XY chromosomes. Mm-hmm. But like, how did we discover that men have XY chromosomes? We lined up all the people we knew were men and tested their chromosomes and went, hey, all the men have XY chromosomes and the women don't. So you needed the category of men to figure out that men have XY chromosomes. Yeah, which is kind of funny because it's like, you just look at them, you know, and then you don't even need that's exactly you know? his that's exactly his point. It's like you need right. the category of men to look at men and say, this is what makes right. men different from women. So it's like we we don't we don't. Uh, mm-hmm. We use the we use these we have these like scientific bias. Mm-hmm. We don't even rec- we have this bias to suppose that science is objective, but we don't recognize the subjectivity inherent in. But that doesn't that doesn't mean it's useless. I don't know. I think it's right. Fun well, this is about. this is his line right after that. He says, "Science at this stage has become magic, a false sacrament affecting what it signifies." Oh so, baby, that feels I, good. It feels yeah. so good. Put it right in my veins. Put it right in my veins and, and, and tr- time travel back to 2011. I'll just throw that in the face of everyone on Yahoo Answers telling me right. that I was on Yahoo Answers a lot in 2011. I, I, nothing about that surprises me. But <laughs> again, this is not super groundbreaking in that 
I disagreed with those ideas previously or like hadn't really thought about them, but because it puts into clarity like, oh, this is how modern thinkers think, right? Modern thinkers think in such a way that they are always pursuing the new, that they are creating artificial realities to base their systems of belief on, uh-huh. and they view empirical evidence as a false sacrament that affects what it signifies. And like, if you actually combine all those things, it it makes, like, I'm thinking evangelistically or just like going about your daily life and trying to make sense of it. So I feel like most of the time we look at people who are pro-abortion, for example, so that's the obvious one. And we're like, how on earth are you pro-abortion? Like, obviously it's, it's cuts the, the baby up and you take it out and it's violent, it's brutal and there's forceps and stuff. Like you, we could just go down the list of all the terrible, awful, horrible things about abortion and like all the reasons that were against it. They put them in a bucket and then burn them for fuel. Yes. This is bad. This is very clearly bad. It's very clearly bad. But if you ask the question like, okay, maybe this person has created like an artificial an artificial reality in their mind about what life is. Cause it's it's out of touch with reality, right? Because reality show proves like shows you Empirically. Like, okay. Empirically that the cells begin to multiply, that the DNA is unique at the moment of conception, right? Like we have, we know this. Even if you didn't know that. Even if you didn't it know it. It makes sense to not destroy something that is a person someday. Right. You know? That's true. Like all, you can, you can basically get down as granular as you want or, or just look at it as, as philosophically as you want. But they don't. Like they, they see life as something other than what it is. And so it's not, and add that on top of the fact that they get these statistics and these facts and these figures from these groups that are like, well, you know, uh, women who have abortions are X number of times more likely to be successful in their careers or what, like, I don't know, whatever the thing might be, you know, like, I don't, I'm just making that up, but, uh, or the cost of a child is this much. And it's like, oh, wow. If that's what this infographic says how much it costs to raise a child i must not i don't want to go into debt to have a child so like it just it it then affects this reality it's like okay the science tells me this so i'm just gonna i'm gonna believe that and i'm gonna rely on this artificial construct and i gotta make sure i'm always i'm always going after progress like progress for progress's own sake yes and if progress is only defined as more money more power then more children doesn't really fit into that, you know? And so it's like, we don't, and that's just, that's just the system of belief that's been packaged up and handed to people through all of the art and culture or what really, what passes for culture in, in America. It doesn't really exist. Uh, Politics, all the things. And so that's why this, this chapter, this book was so good for me because it helped me understand like, okay, we have the, the empiricist and the rationalist, people who just live in the mind and people who just live in the evidence. And like when you combine those, you get what he calls, well, Kant lumps those together and calls it the critical, right? That's where like you would get the idea of critical theory is from these two things merging together. And uh, I wanted to, to chat about this because I wanted people to understand and I wanted to understand, I guess, more deeply, like how if you divorce from reality, how you're also divorcing from morality. Like there's no way, there's no way to accurately make judgments about what is good and bad. If you are living in a evidence-based 
appearance-based artificial world, which is how mo- like most people are living now. And so it's like, no wonder we all disagree on freaking morals is because nobody, like we don't, I'm a Christian and I don't even live in reality, right? Like <laughs> I, I am a, I try to like pray every day and I try to go to mass and I try to love my wife and I try to do all the right things. And yet like I still run away from reality the first second I get in most situations, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, how much more is that the case for people who have no exposure to the truest thing, which is the gospel, you know? Yeah. That's, that's what really was like, oh, this, this really is the death of Christian culture because it's not just an intellectual denial of the new Testament. And yeah, like it's the not truth like of, people are building churches out of cement now. You know what I mean? Right. It's like- <laughs> yes. It's not just people like looking, oh, like, oh, well, those, those couldn't have happened because there's no way that Jesus could multiply loaves. Like, it's not about that, right? It's about the whole idea of God is being and faking reality is non-being. And people just accept reality being fake as their, as their, first principle and so god you just can't even get there because these people are starting they're being born on the opposite side of the spectrum from where god is because people are just raised in a culture of non-being yes and so that is what this is why this is why whenever there is a inevitably there is a uh a debate about post-liberalism on twitter the number one question is well, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to do about it? Oh, we, what, what, what do you want? Well, what we want is evangelization. I mean, that's yes. what that's what you need. It's like, no, what what you th- what a lot of people think, and even even post liberals like the Vermulians and the and the integral the Twitter integralists think that. Well, you know what really needs to happen is we need to to ban pornography, and it's like, no, okay, you see, now you're just creating an artificial reality. That happens to include pornography being bad. Like you're you're yes. creating you're creating an exactly. artificial world where that happens to conform a little bit more to morality, but it's still based on an artificial world, so it can be easily taken away by the next person. That's what I was talking about when I was talking to my friend who is transgender, and she was saying, "Well, we gotta you know socially con- construct a world where transgenderism, like you know, the people back then they socially constructed masculinity and femininity. We have to socially construct." Uh, transgenderism and I was like okay why was it bad to socially construct masculinity and femininity then why is it better to construct transgenderism would it be wrong same thing would it be wrong to reconstruct masculinity femininity later down the line Mm -hmm. if if everything is fake then and you're accepting that as your first premise then no matter how much you conform that fake world to the church it's still Mm -hmm. not real and the only thing the only thing that remains is evangelizing the world I mean that I, I was I was talking to JD about this on Twitter. He JD was, Flynn. JD Flynn. I was I was talking about this, and and this was one of the first conversations that we had. I was like, "No, you don't understand. It's not about. It's not about you know converting the state and making like the president somehow constitutionally bound to follow the dictates of the Pope. Like this is not. This is not. This is. Some people think that's what what, what will fix modernism. That's just. I don't more think it would modernism. fix modernism. I just think it'd be tight. It'd be tight, but it would also just, it would also just be more modernism. It would be a yes. constitution that tries to legislate power that is, is or isn't real. It would be, it would be, uh, like, hmm. I'm trying to think of a, a correct way to say this. It would kind of be like it? writing a document where it says you have the freedom to say whatever you want, even though that's not true. 
Mm-hmm. It's all just like a. It would be a mimicry. It would be like the the last line in his in this chapter, which I think is huge, and this is what it was kind of trying to land at here. Um, the perfection of non-being is parody. Like that's as close as we could get. Like if there was an American government that followed the dictates of the Pope, it would just be a parody. Like it would not be real, you know? Yeah. And that's why, that's why in my stupid little dystopia book, it's not a gritty Orwellian. What if the mm -hmm. government could look in your house? (laughs) (laughs) What if everybody could send mail to everybody else? It's goofy goofy and stupid because all, all, all dystopian or, or this, like this gritty, like what if the government made kids kill each other? You know, it's like Mm -hmm. every, every dystopia is predicated on that. What if the government made single women have uh, intercourse with rich men and then, you know, like that's why the handmaid's tale is so silly. What if, what if, what if, what if single women were forced to carry the children of rich men? What if, what if that's that would crazy. be a weird word. That would be a weird world that we lived would, in. If that happened, Patrick, all the time. I'll tell you this, that would be quite a, the handmaid's tale. I'll tell you what, if <laughs> my that point is true. that happens, that's yes, called a surrogate pregnant. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm that's the handmaid's tale. Anyway, that is the handmaid's I, tale, but people, but that's why, can I just say this? That's why like the women dressing up in the red dresses and the white hoods is so silly. And like parody. nobody takes yes. it seriously. Cause it's parody. Yes. It's it's you are living it's, you are taking as your we first demand premise to be taken seriously. That's yes, what it is. <laughs> you are operating. This is why everything everything that uses the Marvel Cinematic Universe or The Handmaid's Tale or Harry Potter or whatever as its first everything principles. Everything in the 2016 election was Hillary Clinton is Hermione. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like oh my gosh, read another book. It's like book. you are you are living in that artificial yeah. world, yes. and it just is becoming parody, and you don't even realize it. Never nobody realizes it. And like this, that's why this was so good for me is because I was able to like put words on all of that feeling about yes. what is happening. It's yeah. like, oh, even okay. even to take a real world example for the 2016 election outside sure. of outside of uh, one of the I was walking. We were in D.C. in 2016 and outside of one of the one of the buildings, I don't know, one of the buildings, it looks like Rome. Um, it was like a picture of Hillary Clinton, like scouring at the camera and Donald Trump scouring at the camera. And it was like election 2020. And I'm like, literally, this is. This is like this a is crazy. This looks like a like a like a like a handbill for like you know this you know it was it was it is it is. Is it fight night tonight? Exactly, I mean, just, exactly. Yeah. I'm like I was like is 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 McGregor and whatever is McGregor and Peter Rabbit fighting? Anyway, I don't know. You're you're so close. That was so. The last the other thing that I want to say on this is just that Mayweather. Mayweather. Yeah, you got it. There it is. <laughs> the uh, like the whole like the idea of progress, like progress for progress's sake being kind of the mantra. Like we have to, we have to keep abortion legal because we fought so hard for this progress and we have to keep gay marriage legal because we fought so hard for this progress and we got to keep Elizabeth Warren having a literal meltdown outside of the Capitol building about the 1970s. And even other things like we have to keep the, we have to do the multiverse in the shows and we got to do (laughs) that. Yeah. And we got to do the metaverse in the technology. Got to do VR, and we got to make video games so realistic. Marvel can't and we just end. And we have to do robots fun. that can do surgery from across the world. And we have to like certainly there's you can point out good things about all those things that I just said, except for maybe the abortion thing and the game thing. But the all like, AI will be used for two things. Yeah, police and sex. Yes. Those are the only two things. That's the only things they're be used for eventually, now. Eventually, <laughs> eventually, AI it comes to a terminus, and that terminus is the police state and perverts. Yeah, 
Sometimes so, it's the both and of modernism. <laughs> yes. The, but the idea of this progress at, at any cost for its own sake, the, a lot of times, like you, let's say you work at a place. I do. A lot of people do. Many. Let's say you work at an office. Uh, that, yep, uh-huh. So, so this, is a, this is a real example, right? So this is coming up. Pride Month is starting soon. Oh, that's right. Uh, I'm okay. My Twitter. Right. Pride Month is coming soon. And let's say that everybody in the office except you has put a rainbow flag on your desk or on their desk. Sorry. I was going to say. Ah. <laughs> ah, so, so many. Um, I told Emma that I'm done with flags with horizontal bars. I'm just over it. I can't do any more. I'm tired <laughs> of seeing the Ukraine flag. I'm tired of seeing the American flag. I'm tired of seeing the pride flag. I'm done. I only want to see the Italian flag France, and the French flag Mexico, from now on. Japan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great Britain. Sweden. That's got horizontal bars on it's it. It's good. It goes like this. Yeah, but it also has horizontal bars. Okay, I'm out on Great Britain. Confederate flags. Oh. Okay, sorry. Let's. I'm getting distracted. Everybody's putting a pride flag on their desk except you. And you feel this pressure, right? People might even say, hey, you got to, we're kind of all doing this and you got to do it. Like the idea that pressure or, or progress is something that is collectivist, like something that everyone has to participate in. The reason that we all feel this pressure to join in and why so many people do join in and so many people just like, oh, yeah, it's probably not that bad. Like, I do think I actually kind of have to join is because if you were to say, no, I am not going to do that, you would then be stating that there is a higher good than progress itself. And that is unconscionable. Yes. Right? Like that is something that is not allowed. And so, again, this is helpful because when you are conversing with these people and you're having these kinds of conversations that can be very emotionally charged. It's understanding like, okay, they want me to conform, not just because they want me to be a sheep and not just because they like want to control me. Although those things might be true, but it's because when you say, no, I'm not going to go along with progress for progress's sake. Then they, it's like a do not, does not compute moment because then they have to look inside and be like, okay, what, like, what do I actually value? You know, yeah, it's not about you. It's about them. It's, it's like you in that moment yeah. are holding up a mirror to this person or this organization yes. or whatever, and they then have to acknowledge that. And instead of acknowledging it, most people will just either fire you or kick you out of their life or yes. whatever. But it's helpful because then you can say, hey, actually, what's the most important thing? Like, can we go back to first principles? Understanding that it's not just this will help with a lot of reactionary language because it's not just we're becoming sheep and they're trying to control you and all just, like that's not helpful, right? No. What is helpful is saying we actually need to stand up for a good that's higher than the good of progress. Yes. Like that's that's another thing, and I'm just like, man, let's go. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people talk about the sheep thing. Yeah. I don't know. I feel I felt this for a while that it's ironic. Rebellion it is. rebellion is this is this uh global love. We all love rebelling so much that so that we'll we'll the majority will do it together. The majority will rebel against the minority. The the the, the most power and I don't know. There's like progress feels like a revolution. I mean right. every major every major world power has like an independence day that they celebrate. You know, it's like the mm-hmm. The founding of countries is now not this. Uh, nations don't have this this deep connection to the past. They have this hyper connection to the present, where it's like we became a nation two days ago, and we're super excited about that. 
Um, and that, that revolutionary attitude is, it's why, it's why in the, the, it's, this is the, in the French revolution, they were so afraid of the counter revolution Mm -hmm. that they were willing to sell out their neighbors and kill them. Mm. And it was not about, it wasn't about the counter revolutionaries. It was because the counter revolutionaries, the, their existence, they didn't care about converting them. They didn't, they didn't want them to follow. It just, the the existence of counter revolutionaries was a threat to their what they perceived as the highest good and right. so if you act as kind of a counter-revolutionary don't be a revolutionary where you're like i'm actually gonna rebel and be super christian that's a re- i'm in rebellion like that lecrae song remember that um sure right but it's like you're also not because you know god doesn't care about the god sits in heaven and laughs he doesn't care about revolutions I'm going to end this this topic with this final quote from John Senior, which sums up exactly what you said. Good. It is said, this is in the front, this is the forward of the book. This is the first quote in the book. It is said that Christianity, if it is to survive, must face the modern world, must come to terms with the way things are in the sense of the current drift of things. It is just the other way around. If we are to survive, we must face Christianity. So it's like the goal is not to stand up to the world and be like, I'm super Christian. You know, it's like to stand in front of the cross and like receive Jesus, you know, like that's actually the, the thing that will save, you know, not standing up to the world and look, yeah. look at me, you know? So pretty cool. Pretty cool. If you ask me, do you want to do our patron of the week? Oh, hot dang. I do. If Ethan and Patrick hadn't been full of naivete in college, they wouldn't have started this podcast. If they didn't have people supporting them on Patreon, this podcast would have stopped making sense a long time ago. Because of those patrons, you now get to listen to the best Catholic comedy podcast in existence. This is Patron of the Week. For those listeners with a fighting spirit. Thank you for uh, supporting our podcast. This is another segment, another segment that we're doing. It's Patreon of the Week. We did you listen to the bumper that Regan made for? I Patreon did. Of the week? It was so funny. P- pretty impressive. It was so funny. Um, the, oh, it's great. I want to. Uh, we we have a lot of patrons who help make this show possible. Uh, you can become a patron. I need to write a script for this or something. We have a lot of patrons qualifier. <laughs> We have a lot of patrons who help us. We have a lot of patrons who help us. We, we, I would not say we have a lot of patrons, but we have a lot of patrons who help us. You know, that's the thing about them. We have quite a few. We have quite a few. We do. We're we're growing. How much did we grow last month or this month? This month, this month, I think we got another ten. Yeah, that's huge. It's, that is huge. Yeah, that's huge, and and it's growing. I mean, we're still not at a hundred, but I want to hit a hundred. Yes, like which soon. we can do probably by July. I think we I could think. do 100 by July. I think 100 by July. July. If we do 100 by July, Patrick and I will do a live stream from a tub, or not a tub, from like an inflatable pool. Yep. And we will have a brewski and we'll have different guests come in and it'll be great. It'll be like uh, like at one of those episodes of um, Seinfeld. Here's a, here's, a, uh, here's a fun little statistic. If everyone in the Discord oh. gave a dollar per episode, we would hit our Patreon goal for the year. Huh? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That. A that dollar crazy. an episode, a dollar an episode. That's about five bucks a month. $5 a month. If everybody in the discord gave $5 a month, it's the price of a coffee or two. 
depending on how much coffee depending you like. Where you, where you live. Depends on where you live. It's about Inflation. a price of a coffee or two. Um, yeah, it's it's cheaper than a Spotify subscription. Uh, if you think that this episode was worth a dollar, you should consider giving on Patreon. And you could be just like Alex Paul. Give it up for Alex, Ooh, Alex, Paul. Alex Paul. Alex Paul. Alex has, uh, he has been on the specialty biscuit and gravy level for a while now. Um, he has still been a, with that breakfast theme. Yeah, still the breakfast theme. I think it's really funny. He has been a patron since I don't, I don't. He know. also just got a new job. I saw that on LinkedIn. Really We're connected on LinkedIn. Me and Alex. Yeah, that's cool. I so can't. Congratulations I, on the new job, Alex. This actually doesn't tell me how long he's been a patron, but I know him. He's been a patron for a very been a long time. For a long time. Been a patron yeah. for a long time. Great guy. Um, thanks, Alex, for helping us out. Um, if you think this episode is worth a dollar. Start supporting us at five bucks a month. You'll get all the bonus content that we've been putting out on the Discord. If you want information about that, join the Discord, uh, bit.ly slash crunch discord. And if you can't support us financially, that is totally okay because Ethan, did you know something? Do you know people something? can leave a review? Yes. Leave a review because it leave actually helps us. It actually helps us a ton. So it's so free. It's, it's so like actually free. the most free thing that you can do. It's so free. And I know you've been thinking because I said it twice in, in a row. I said it last week and I said it this week. So I know you're thinking maybe I should do it. You should. Uh, the reviews help with visibility. In fact, the reason why the crunch grew so much in the beginning was because we pushed reviews so hard. We stopped doing that. Yes. We stopped doing that. So we're going to start pushing it again because it's huge. iTunes implemented a, uh, a review. iTunes has had reviews, but Spotify implemented reviews recently. So go give us a review on iTunes and Spotify, even if you don't listen on iTunes or Spotify. Even if you've already left a review, leave another one. Leave another one. You can unreview you and can then re-review. and review, re-review. And that counts as a new review, I think. It's kind of like a 25th year anniversary edition, mm-hmm. you know? Or, like, or you can take or, your brother's iPhone, who has a unique oh, Apple ID, and you can oh, leave a review under his name. Yes. You can actually just steal anybody's phone <laughs> and start using it to leave reviews on our show. So thank goodness that someone has left a review since last time one person listened shout out j ryan mcd i'm gonna be i'm gonna be honest because i mean everyone can see how many people reviewed shout out j ryan mcd oh also if people don't review the podcast recently that looks bad so we need you desperately to review. if during this segment if someone doesn't review the podcast once a week patrick's gonna do arm farts on the show i'm gonna do arm farts on the show and i'm gonna i'm gonna put them in a jar and mail them to ethan and make them sniff them Oh, we're going to resort to juvenile bathroom <laughs> blue humor if you don't leave you any don't reviews. Leave a review. Usually we get super sophisticated on this podcast with our comedy. Nope. No more. Usually we, don't make, leave a review we do sophisticated week. things like reference over the hedge. Talk yeah. about beef jerky. Mm. Um, <laughs> Insinuate that milk comes out of grass. <laughs> uh, thanks, J. Ryan McDee saying, amazing, superb, Catholic-y. Not as much cereal nice. as I thought. Oh, my oh. window's open. Hold on. What? You're just choosing now? The most critical moment I know, of the show? right? The Crunch is one of my favorite, my new favorite podcasts, a new listener. People say that the church is dying, that God mm. is dying, and that religion is dying. Well, they're wrong. It is strengthening, and it's motivating to hear people my age talk about their faith and the struggles that go along with it. Don't get me wrong. Word on Fire and Pints of Aquinas are great podcasts, but The Crunch is earthy and real. I highly hmm. recommend it to everyone, but especially to college students. Hey, our target, though, our original. We got to keep the base happy, baby. I don't know if you ask anybody, they're like, describe Ethan if they would say earthy. Earthy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. 
Thank you to J. Ryan McDee for Thank you for the review. That was very nice. It was very super nice. nice. I like feeling good about myself on the show. That was crazy. Hey, if you like the show, leave another five-star review on iTunes so that we can pull that 4.7 back up to a five because some guy gave a one-star review years ago and it's been yeah. ruining us ever since. Kaching. Kaching. So, oh, dude, we're almost at 300 episodes. <laughs> did you know that? Kind of, I did not know that. <laughs> that's, that's weird. Crazy. 300. 300. <laughs> All of my homies, 300, 300. <laughs> why don't we call people chaches anymore i just remembered I that know. one too we just there's a lot of things that we used to do on this show that we no longer do all my homies 300 300 hey regan if you could drop that that would be i'd have to find it and send it to him <laughs> that'd be amazing it's, it's like a youtube video with six views like this it's not a very popular <laughs> song it is not something we reference what is this i don't know so do we have a dr ethan's dating corner Oh, do we have a Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner? Oh, boy. All right, you came to the right place, you ding-dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> oh, my gosh, hold on. All right. Uh, nope, that one's lame. That one's lame. Yeah, your problems insignificant. <laughs> Patrick, Patrick deleting <laughs> questions as if they're bugs to be swatted. Welcome to Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner, a 22-year-old male named Chris. Chris. Chris, I'm, I've fallen in love with two girls and I can't get up. Help. Uh, he didn't say that. I said that last <laughs> part, but he's fallen. Chris has fallen in love with two girls. Yeah. Uh, hello. You've pressed the dating life alert <laughs> button by writing into this podcast. <laughs> Dr. We're Ethan also specializes in geriatric medicine. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Ethan and Professor oh. Patrick. I am a 22... 20- Should we name him Jerry? <laughs> I'm a 22-year-old male. I'm just getting settled into professional life. I just got my first big boy job and I want... Here's a pro tip. Don't call it that um, outside of... Don't call it that. It's it's just called... The, the people out here... They, they just call it a job. See, you are anonymous, but I see your job. name. So like, I think less of you. I'm just kidding. That's so mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Patrick. Be nice to my boy, Chris. I want to start dating once I get settled in, but here's my problem. I love two girls. Love. Oh, huge. Wow. <laughs> huge. I will the good of both women. <laughs> that good happens to be me, and there's not enough for me to go around. I know. If only I could cleave myself in twain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, old, the old Solomon solution. <laughs> cleave myself in twain. <laughs> If at first you don't succeed, cleave yourself in twain. twain. All right. They are both amazing, and they both challenge me to become more holy and make sure I take care of myself. One of them lives just a few hour drive from my hometown, and the other one lives a day and a half drive. Okay, date the first one. Date the first one. Right. Okay. Now I'm quite sure I know I want to date the close one. (laughs) Okay. Simple. Yeah, Yeah. man. I mean, come on. Proximity is the mother of invention, or whatever. Um. Now, I'm quite sure I want to date the closer one, but I'm scared that if I do, I will hurt the other one and vice versa. I know the situation. Do you think, what? Do you think an Uber is cheaper if you split yourself in half? Like, just <laughs> Hey, you want to split the cab? I have a better idea. Let's split the, t- the rider. <laughs> let's let's just split me. Uh, now, I'm quite sure I want to date the close one. I'm scared if I do, I will hurt the other one. I know the situation yeah. is pretty much avoidable. I know I've goofed pretty bad by creating close friendships with two girls, but I need help maneuvering the situation properly maneuvering the situation properly and apologizing when i need to thanks for the advice and hopefully a good roasting yeah i think i got him i think i got him pretty good 
so all of my advice is if cutting yourself in half does not work. Sure. So try that first. If it doesn't work, come back and listen to the rest of this podcast. Okay. Could you hear me out? <laughs> date both of them. Okay. <laughs> all you have to do is wear two different outfits. Invite them to the same prom to make it easier. Obviously, you got to pick one. Like, you can't do... But a day and a half? Obviously, the closer one. The, the day and a half... Let's think about how long a day and a half is. That's 36 hours away. Where do you live? And where does this other girl live? Do you live in a Manitoba? And does she live hours. in Mexico City? Like, <laughs> what? what is happening? How did you meet this girl? Do you what, live in I don't, Moose Jaw? And she lives live in, in Hawaii? <laughs> yes. It sounds to me like you guys are on opposite sides of the Atlantic. Like, date the person in your time zone. That's my <laughs> advice. An hour Goodness and a gracious. half, a few hours I have drive. to cross a mountain range to see my girlfriend. I, like, need to, <laughs> I need to climb the tallest mountain. I need to go through the... the 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 pass the cali- the the mountains and the with the Gandalf and these why the, doesn't the, he just the, fly the eagles to his the girlfriend snow, why don't you just fly the eagles to your girlfriend I don't know no one uh, seems to answer that question have you considered going through the mines of Moria to see this girl <laughs> <laughs> it's super fast there's nothing goes wrong in there and you just go um, right through it you just go right through have you considered going right th- over the cave in Finding Nemo with all the jellyfish on top that yeah. Yeah, just keep swimming. Uh, I'm trying to think of other movies where you have to go far. A lot of movies talk about going far. Homeward Bound. That's more of a return thing. Shrek. (laughs) (laughs) The Santa Claus 3. Yeah. (laughs) Any movie with distance Uh, cars. A goofy movie. (laughs) Yeah. A goofy movie. uh, What is it? A very extremely goofy movie. Extremely goofy movie. They went right to extremely goofy. I know it's just a goofy movie, a very goofy movie, a super goofy movie, <laughs> extremely goofy movie. That should have been the fourth installment. Here's the thing: the extremely goofy movie was the first goofy movie that I watched, and it was my yes, first same. introduction to college. And so, imagine my surprise. I yeah, when I got to college and there weren't vert ramps everywhere. I know. Like, I was like, <laughs> crazy. I was like, I, I showed up to I showed up to Francisco with my helmet, my pads, and my and my uh, skateboard, and I was like, hey, when do the X Games tryouts happen on this college campus? A very unique moment in the zeitgeist when vert rollerblading was like the coolest thing on the planet. You had rocket power and you had an extremely goofy movie. And I think like Johnny Tsunami, like all that was happening right around the same time. And everyone was just like, no way. We got to put. This is so sick. Heelys too. Heelys. Heelys were huge. Zeke and Luther. Dude. Come on. Crazy. Tony Hawk. (laughs) I think Zeke and Luther was a little bit later. It was a little bit later. I was just thinking of skating related. Things. The only joke I remember for that show was when he was like, people that I hate. He was like, mouth breathers, nose breathers. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So, Chris, buddy, brother, you have messed up. Indeed. I would suggest, unless, unless, unless the girl on the other side of the mountain is like, like really, like she's like really, fine. Like, really, yeah. Like, she's worth, like, if you think, like, yes, I would drive a day and a half to see this girl, it's like, okay, maybe there's something to that, you know? Like, I was going to, I was going to date Emma when she lived in Michigan. There's, like, a little, like, a chart, you know? There's like, a chart, like, and yeah. And this is the, this is the zone. This is, 
like yeah there's a there's a zone there's a parallel there's like a, a 45 you yeah. know what i'm talking about like there's a the, like here's here's attractiveness versus distance yep. and like this is the sweet spot yeah you, know? you can see it yeah like if she's a 10 out of 10 you have to be willing you would be willing to drive a two days drive 10 hours. 10 hours 10 hours okay i don't huh. know I don't know. Either. I've never driven for a person. The one time I've I never dri- one time I've I- never ranked women on a graph, Patrick. <laughs> so seems like you're the real dirtbag here. I've never on this flipped podcast. a coin for a woman. No, I did that. I did. I that. was going to date Emma when she lived in Michigan, which would have been like a seven hundred dollar plane ticket, yeah. like once every month, and I was willing to do that. And look at us now. So the only time I ever drove across the country for a girl, she hated it. Yeah, I can. Here's here's what I really think is going on. Like, obviously, this girl who lives in Mexico City, like, really cares about you, right? Like, she loves you. She's like, oh, I've got this boyfriend in Manitoba, and he's awesome, and, like, we're so close. But really, what's happening is that she probably has a guy who, like, goes to school with her, you know, who, like, she likes and would date instantly, yeah. you know? You're not ruining and, like, her life. I'm not... Sorry. I'm, I, I don't want to be mean to Chris and be like, yeah, this relationship with you of this person is fake, but... When you live that far apart, there's not a lot of commitment. Even if you did start dating, I've just seen I've just seen those types of things end poorly. Yeah. Because because someone is gonna be in her life daily that she finds attractive, and it's gonna be over for you. And or someone's gonna be in your life daily that you find attractive. And it's over for her. So pick the girl that's a couple hours away and just drive to see her every weekend and then move to the same city as soon as you can. And I don't care about your big boy job. Get a smaller boy job. All right. <laughs> Get married so you can have the smallest boy. <laughs> the littlest guy. The littlest guy there is. That's one of that's one of Leo's biggest problems is that he is just a little guy and he doesn't know much what to do. He can't do much. He's just a little guy. That's what I always say to him. I go, ah, you're crying. That's okay. You're just a little guy. Euro trip. That's another movie where they go. They travel. <laughs> um, Anchorman 2. Anchorman 2. Yeah, yeah, a lot of movies where there's uh, Toy Story. Yeah, you know, that's a far Toy Story two. They got to they had to go all the way to Al's office. That's true. Um, Do you ever think about how yeah. um, Pixar was like? We got to make a movie about toys. We're gonna make a story about toys. What are we gonna call it? We're gonna call it Toy Story. Yeah. Why? That's what if they named? Name. What if they named all of their stories that way? <laughs> to be fair, Toy Story, Bugs a life. Bug's Life, <laughs> Cars, <laughs> Cars. <laughs> Up <laughs> car story. <laughs> the good dinosaur. <laughs> Luca. I don't hey, know. Hey Luca. Hey Luca. No, I, I like Luca. Luca. It was fun. Yeah. I watched Luca Doncic on the Dallas Mavericks beat the Golden State Warriors last night Golden in the NBA State, playoffs. Golden Gate Mavericks. <laughs> the Golden Gate Mavericks. My favorite team. <laughs> All right, we gotta we gotta wrap this up. My bladder is full and the summer has just begun. Seriously, it's here. So uh you know where I'm about to to empty that old bladder into the community pool, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna be in it. <laughs> not, I'm just gonna stand. Not, I'm just gonna stand near adjacent to the pool. And relieve myself. Regan, feel free to cut this out. This would be incriminating. There's no children around. 
Oh, sure. Oh, sure. When most guys stand when they pee, they're in a bathroom. But when I do it, I'm not allowed in the community pool. <laughs> I, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Uh, that's my favorite kind of joke. When most guys blank. When, when, when most blank. blank. But when I blank, it's, a, it's the best joke. That is a pretty good joke. It's my favorite joke format. This has been the podcast of the summer. <laughs> Thank you for listening. What? It's a funny bit. It's a good bit. It's you like every it. time you, you say like it, it has like a feeling of like, a, oh yeah, it's summer. You know, like it's a summer. Yeah, Come on, yeah. school's out. From now until Labor Day, we're podcasting with sunglasses <laughs> on to really just keep it, just keep the vibe. And a little tiny baseball hat. You know the ones that they give ice cream in. I want the one that has like the little. <laughs> i want the one the that's, visor that's what i want that's gonna be our permanent outfit when we finally get this podcast on youtube it's gonna be sunglasses and little propeller hats all the way down oh wait a second speaking of youtube hold on oh no oh i've done it no no no, no. i speaking of the Let podcast me. being on youtube i think i may have done something irreversible are we on are we on youtube i think we might be on youtube <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> why are we on youtube um, I put, I hit a little button that said, put us on YouTube on red oh, circle. <laughs> Is that why my, I felt like my kidney was missing this one. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, let me, let me see. Hold on. Uh, your channel. I have a channel. Yep. There we are. We're on YouTube. So you can go what to, you and can we you have share your screen? We please? have two views. Hold on. <laughs> I would like screen. to see, I would like to see that we're on YouTube. This is good for our audio medium. Um, here we go. Sharing screen. This is sharing this is the my screen, screen now. It is. Oh, does it just automatically upload? No, we have to hit a button that automatically uploads it. Oh, I don't want to do that. Huh? Yep. There it is. Okay. And it's like, and you can, you can, um, it's just, it plays that essentially. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. it, it just plays. It, it doesn't. Yeah. There's no wave. Wait. It just repeats the same wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's fine. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, gotcha. hey, whoa. That's they fine. can't, that's... we pay them. They can't. We have a they presence. Can't, they can't put their logo on our thing. We paid. No, I don't think we paid them, actually. Never mind. I don't think we paid them at all. Sweet. Uh, if you I think this go. episode's worth a dollar, consider giving us five bucks a month on Patreon, and you get more than this episode. You get another bonus. You get bonus content when we post it, and that's been more often recently Crunch because lunch. Regan's been killing it. Um, if you can't. Crunch Lunch tomorrow with you and Ben Eastman yeah, and Regan. Which will have already happened. For patrons only. So <laughs> yes, but it's yeah, uh, yeah. It will not have happened in the summer of the po- summer, summer pod- podcasting. No, it'll happen like prior to the summer of podcasting. Yeah. Last thing in the spring of podcasting, yeah. and then um, if you can't uh, leave us a review on iTunes or tell a friend about your podcast, because that's how most people hear about it. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? How come when my son poops in his sleep, it's adorable, but when I do it, I'm no longer allowed at any Hilton locations worldwide. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you. And we'll see you all next week. Okay. We're we're both kind of... It's a weird day. It's a weird episode. (laughs) It's a weird day to record this show.